I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Nyla Nine podcast. Hey, it's Nyla Nine here, and I'm joined by Andrea Cleary. Andrea, how are you? I'm good. We're back. We're back. It's felt like a long two weeks. We had an unexpected two week break. Um, there was a lot of things happening in the last couple of weeks. So uh, it's been a while. <laughs> you said <laughs> you would do that. You said you would do it. Oh, Sorry. Already, yeah, it's been. It's already been already apologizing after twenty five seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's been a hot minute. Um, how have you been? Uh, okay yeah. okay a lot of a lot of big stuff happening uh, our friend passed away sadly a couple of weeks ago so um it's it's been hard but also um a lot of nice people been around us so it's been good um yeah. in that way um and you know i've always found music as as a place that gives me that solace when things are hard or yeah. things are tough and um so I've had, I've had lots of music events yeah. and uh, music to listen to. We are now in list season. Well, Happy I am, Listmas! I'm 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 in that special time of the year where I don't listen to brand new music that's been pitched to me anymore. I'm only listening to music that I want to listen to, have not given enough time, or uh, possibly stuff that I might have discovered from. I'm very completist with my end of year lists. Okay, and like to the point of. Um, a detriment I think it like where I start to listen to albums that I've only heard half of or yeah. once or not even because I'm like oh that could be really interesting yeah and I just have to be like you know what the only way to do this is to pick your like favorite albums of the year and then that you personally yeah. love yeah. and that's the only way to do it not like what you think everyone else mm-hmm. loves or like you know there's there's I'm always already thinking about these albums that are not going to be on my list that people are going to be like can't believe that's not on it and you're I like, know you're like I have I in the past found Lismas to be like properly anxiety inducing. Like, and I, and I don't use that word lightly. Like in the past, like working as a music editor, like actually putting together the Excel sheet of everybody's like submitted artists and songs and albums, that was really stressful. And then I'd have to do my own. And 
yeah, I'm also completist. I'm like, I, I'm now kind of going from January onwards and just listening to biggest releases, what releases people were talking about. And I'm finding it all very overwhelming. But this year, I'm taking a new approach. If I have two favorite albums of the year, that's okay. If I have three number four albums of the year, that's okay too. It's all music, man. <laughs> They're just it's numbers. Fine. They're just numbers. They're just numbers. I do, yeah. I do like actually ranking them. I, do, I, I kind of enjoy that because it makes me think about um, how they sit for me. And, yeah. Uh, and it is, it's so subjective. Like I think uh, Emma Langford put up a very interesting thread this week about how, how we kind of, we can kind of take these end of year lists very, very seriously. And it can come across sometimes as pitting artists against each other. And I've found that as well, especially if you're talking about Irish artists or you're including Irish artists in your list and you're like, oh God, I I feel really uncomfortable saying this act is better than this act. But it's not even that. Like, so we did a, uh, on the website in the last week, we did our top 50 uh, best new, uh, new Irish acts yeah. of 2018 and we've defined that kind of uh, criteria by saying essentially they were acts that made a big impression on the three of us who mm. work here most of the time um, and we went through a big long list of about 120 acts we discarded ones that were three years and older mm-hmm. or had started um, three years and older who had a debut album out mm-hmm. and it was really tough to to like discard things yeah or like say oh no they're um, and I was like maybe we should do 75 and like everyone else was like you're mad no yeah because if you do 75 then it's kind of like you're trying to include everybody yeah um where it's better to just have 50 and 50 is still a lot yeah um but actually it just shows you that it was so easy to do 50 and so makes easy. for a very good playlist as well so. it was good but um you know there was definitely things in there where it was like I've, I got a message this week about, oh, I can't believe this wasn't on it. Or somebody's manager emailed me about it. And you're like, you know, you got to be honest. Yeah. You can't just put something on it because you think somebody else thinks you should have it on it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and like, that's where we're coming from. And with somebody like, actually, Emma Langford is a good example. She had an album out last year. So she couldn't qualify, but we, she was someone we had considered in that way. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, it was just, there were so many artists there. And uh, in the end, we did it A to Z, A to Z. So, yeah. Because it just made sense because I didn't want people going, oh, we're the, we were picked by the best, uh, as the fifth uh, yeah, best new artist yeah. of the year. And it wasn't about that. It was about, no. you know, here's 50. Mm. Because like my background for me was like, I was talking to like an A&R person from America recently um, and they were asking me what's going on in Ireland. I was like, oh, we're actually working on this thing. So I'll send you this. Mm. Uh, but it made sense. But I get asked that a lot. Um, so it was like, oh, here's a snapshot. So next year we're going to do it. If, if we, when we do it again, um, it'll be easier to do because we'll have a foundation to start with this mm. year. And we're like, oh, they were on last year's list. So they can't qualify for this year's list. So that's why it was particularly hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> same, with, same with like, well, at least there's a, if it was released in 2018, then it qualifies kind of thing. But that's, that's a good idea. I have to learn to let things go. Yes. Yes, it's a hard time of year, but uh, tune in next week for our top albums of the year. Yeah, well, why not? We'll when talk we're about it. we're both in an absolute panic about it. Well, you know, we might not even do that. Maybe uh, this is just me all, uh, saying this now, but like maybe we'll just pick ones that we think people might not have heard before yes. or something like that. Yes. You know, we don't have to pick top 10. We'll see. We'll see. We'll make that decision next week. Yes. Um, Five minutes before the show. <laughs> as, as ever. Um, so because it is coming up to Christmas, um, a lot of festivals have started announcing that their tickets are on sale. Electric Picnic sold out in 20 minutes this it week. I sure did. Um, I was 
wasn't even working that day so it was i was just totally oblivious to it mm-hmm. um it just happened so quickly um but yeah that's no surprise there uh, the electric picnic at this stage is just a license to print money like yeah. it's it's so it's so guaranteed to sell out immediately it's yeah. it's insane so the next biggest festival probably in the country at the moment is Longitude Festival mm. in Marley Park, which happens on the 5th to 7th of July. Last year, there was huge uproar about its uh, lineup being mainly hip hop um, and rap acts. And this year, it's come back and done the exact same thing too. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any online uh, upset. Absolutely I think just, nothing. I just Everyone moved on. Yeah. Everyone has moved on. But greater things happening in the world now, maybe. Yeah. Is that the problem? Or is that the thing? Maybe, yeah. Or maybe people are just kind of, um, because of the success of last year, like last year went down really, really well. Um, yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe didn't, people didn't know yeah. it was going to be a success. Yeah. Or, or they realised that going to a festival and not necessarily knowing every act is actually a really fun and enlightening experience. Or they, just, or they definitely didn't go. Or they didn't but it was, go. It seemed but... to be used like as an ageist thing. It was like, oh, I don't even know what the kids are listening to these yeah, days. Yeah, totally. I haven't heard of any of these. Yeah. Um, but this year, um, there's a lot. There's a couple of particularly good artists on there's this list. There's my absolute boy, Chance the Rapper. Chance the Rapper is finally uh, coming to Ireland after he cancelled his Helix show last year. Last year, before? year before last, yeah, yeah, last minute. Oh, because Kanye was sick. That was it. That yeah. was it. He yeah, was... so twenty. But that uh, wasn't why he cancelled it, was it? It might have been. Mm. That that's that's the impression I got at the time was that yeah. that was why. I don't so Chance the Rapper is finally going to play uh, Ireland, so that'll mm. be something. Um, Aesop Rocky, uh, future. I've been really enjoying Aesop Rocky stuff lately. Me the too. Sundress song that he has with FK Twigs, really like that track. Yeah. And there's a couple of other new ones that are, he's just doing more interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm really interested in what he's doing. I think there must be an album, is there an album called Testing on the Way or something like that? Um, um, yeah, I've, I've liked him for a few years, Um, kind of dipped in and out. But yeah, this year I've been getting getting a real taste. So very, very excited to see him in uh, Yeah, he'd be good. Um, Dublin. Future's playing. Brockhampton, whose album this year I wasn't mad on, if I'm honest. I don't but know anything about Brockhampton, and it their whole makes thing me is that they're like old. world's biggest boy band, biggest hip. They're like a boy yeah, band. Yeah, like I know that. that the kids are down with Brockhampton, and that if I if I want to be down with the kids, I need to get on Brock, Brockhampton. So um, I will do that. They had like three mixtapes last year, and one of them there was some amazing songs on it. Mm. And their album Iridescence this year, I was just like, didn't feel anything about it. I, I, is there sound boy bandy? No. Okay. They're right. like a rap band. Oh, right. They just happen to be a group of boys. They just call themselves a boy, a boy band. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. One of them is from Like Bel- literally know nothing about them. No, no. No, no. They're a rap group. Like, oh, and, uh, right. They, the, like the most notable thing about them when they came out was that they're, they rap about being gay. Okay. And, like it was really refreshing because you never hear that. Um, and it sounds like really my kind of thing. They make good I tunes. Haven't... They make like absolute banging um, hip hop tunes as well. Like really cool songs. Um, but this the album this year I wasn't into. Uh, Ray Schremmerd, um, Lil Uzi Vert, a couple of them here down here wouldn't know too well. Uh, Denzel Curry, I know Luke in the opposite series is a big fan of that. Amine, uh, Juice World, Versatile, Dublin's own Versatile. Yep, on that list. Uh, Suicide Boys. And Slow Tie and a few others. So definitely rap and grime and that kind of level is where Longitude is heading. Yeah, um, I am on board. On the flip side, um, probably 
one of the best one of the best festivals in the world is a big statement but i feel like it's getting truer and truer the more that it comes around primavera sound in barcelona is now one of the most influential festivals in the world um in terms of no other european festival gets coverage uh from publications like pitchfork or support from around the world as much as primavera sound mm. does and last night they announced that um their 2019 lineup which features a whopping 226 artists all announced in full absolutely just done and dusted fair yeah. play to them yeah is admin team gone home <laughs> yeah like it has the likes of solange tame impala cardi b robin erica badu fka twigs future janelle monet naz christina your Queens. gal rosalia yeah uh, rosalia's playing stereo lab uh, Eve's two more, uh, Yeji, Object, uh, like you can just pick out so many cool acts on this. Yeah. Uh, and Ma- it's one of those lineups where even when you go down to the really teeny tiny writing, yeah. there's still great acts there. So yeah, yeah that'll absolutely. be awesome. You've got uh, so many. I'm just like, I'm still like actually processing how many good <laughs> acts are on <laughs> it. Quite a lot. Big Red um, Machine. Big Red Machine. Um, um, it's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> I'm actually just reading it right now. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of stuff. Nilu Friyanya, Slow Ties on there as well. Uh, Terza, um, Pusha T, Mode Select, Nina Cherry. A lot, a lot of stuff. Jarvis Cocker, um, Roshi Murphy. My fave. Liz Fair, um, Shellac, of course. They're always, they always play. Mm. Um, Joe Orbison. Anyway. Did it's you a mention very, FKA Twigs? I didn't. Because FKA Twigs. I did, yes. And Charlie XCX mm-hmm. as well. Guided uh, by Voices. Yeah. Well, oh my god. <laughs> that's, that's classic classic pitchfork uh yes. or um pitchfork stage at uh Primavera yeah, lineup. Totally. But the most notable thing this year in terms of the fact that it's a very eclectic lineup um is that they announced it by saying it was the first time they were had a completely equal male female lineup. Awesome. Um and I've seen like mixed responses to this. I'm like mixed response whatever. Like everything everything really? is everything's outraged now, but um you know that's a really cool thing. What they what they said in in response was, "Why doing an equality?" This is like I love their press releases because their press releases are always like they gone through Google Translate oh, to get okay. to the end, sure, sure. so they don't quite make sense. Why doing a quality lineup now? Because we should have done it ages ago. Because looking back over our previous lineups and despite the progress in the last few editions, we needed to go further. If half of our audience is female, why shouldn't half our lineup be as uh, so too? Why can't there be equality in schedule styles and stages? It has not been easy to fight against the inertia that has been passed down for so many years. But after all, if the future is female, what's the point in waiting? We are starting here accelerating change to build a lineup that shouldn't be the exception, which we want to make the norm. Go on, the lads. <laughs> Let's not forget this is only a lineup and only a festival. What matters is everything else. Oh, <laughs> oh that's really sweet. What a nice sentiment. Well but, done, Primavera. And it's like, to, to look at the lineup, it's like, it is... I I think it really really benefits from it. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, like I I would say looking at the lists of we're talking about best of the year, um, and our top fifty new artists were pretty evenly split. My listening is pretty evenly split, I'd say. Mm. Um, so why not? And like, there's enough there, and especially because Primavera is such a cool festival, mm. and it can do it, and it can get those artists like FKA Twigs and James Blake, and Cardi B, and Robin, and Erica Badu, and Solange. You know, and Rosalia, why, why, why not? Why not? Why like, not do that, it? That's yeah. great. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm into that. I think it's good. Okay. It made me want to go back to Barcelona again. So currently considering it. Um, I've never been to Primavera Sound, but I think I will. It's so good. Yeah. Just lovely festival. Mm. 
we they still don't have as good as uh, crowds as Irish crowds, but sure, you know, you can't have it all. No one does. But there's enough Irish people there that you know it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on from festivals and uh, um, sticking with the end of year theme, um, we're going to let the algorithm determine not only our listening listening habits on Spotify these days, but uh, also our podcast content for the Yay! next five ten minutes, maybe. Yeah, it was uh, nice to message you today and be like, "Oh, we've just been delivered some free content." <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's so. Uh, at the Spotify Wrapped, um, which is the annual Spotify's annual personalized top one hundred songs and stats about what you've been listening to on Spotify, if you're a Spotify user, was released today. I'm already nervous. Okay, so what we're <laughs> gonna do is we're gonna um, go through our. 2018 wrapped with each other and just briefly not in everything maybe because all of it's not relevant mm. um just tell we can you, skip over some things yeah tell you what our what some of our year in listening was like okay um so i'm gonna do start. you have your first page open um it's just loading now okay um so we've got okay so what did you start 2018 by listening to uh, a, a song called call me by sky which is a uh, like a late 70s early 80s kind of like real nice disco tune okay um and i know i was in Ackle island so it was definitely one of it was after it would have been about three or four in the morning because <laughs> we played in Ackle island that weekend as lumo and it must have been the after party hanging out um, oh. so that was that um mine was reality demo by grimes my favorite version of the Grimes song. Yes, it is. The, it is the the <laughs> ultimate one. Um, and the first artist that I discovered was Alma. It says Rue de Silva. Um, Have you stuck which with? Which is the "Touch Me in the Morning" song, right? Oh um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I must have just put there that on go. for the first okay. time ever to start this year. Page two. Okay, so oh yeah, that's a big. Can one. you guess how many minutes you spend this year? Okay, give so me your three options. Three thousand thirty-one thousand. No. Uh, 20,000 or 30,000. Wow. Yeah. 31, 20 or 30? Or, or 20. 30, oh. 31, 30 or 20 is what it gives me here. 31. It's, well, I mean, it's it's 30,768, so you're close. We're, oh my God, I'm 30,845. Oh my God, there's a, that's very that's a very slight amount between us. That is a very slight amount between See, us. Good synergy. We're, Jesus, we're doing well. We're doing well. That is mental. Um, um, and if anyone knows what a voice device is, please tweet us because we don't know and I don't have say, an Alexa. It, it must. Well, I have Alexa at home, so it must be that. Well, but, mine says 3% of that time you were using your voice device, which I don't own. So I'm Is there anything in your house that has nothing, nothing. voice activation? I'm, I'm terrified of the NSA. Maybe your dog was using it. Or Maybe. Or I don't know. Very okay, strange. Page anyway. three. Your top artist. Uh, it says my my most my top artist this year was Blood Orange, oh. um, which wouldn't be uh, definitely an album I liked, but I think it was probably just because I listened to the album on Spotify a lot. Okay, we so I spent that seven album. hours listening to Blood Orange. Good lord! Uh, I spent sixteen hours with Father John Misty. Well, no surprise there. And it says here... She has a Father John Misty sticker on her laptop. I do. Um, it says here, the pleasure was all theirs. <laughs> sounds like something he might have said. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no surprise there. I think um, I think he was probably that last year as well. So Okay. So we have the... It shows me the top five songs. Yes. That uh, I listened to this year. Uh, well, top artists, uh, top songs and top genres. I think genres is pretty... Obvious stuff. I don't yeah. see any, any, any I, weird Indie, there. rock, pop, hip-hop, dance, electronic. 
Yeah, it's all the same. I um, assume dance electronic is when I started doing the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? What are you saying? Um, so my top artists are Blood Orange, Niels Fram, uh, Reggie Snow, Cardi B, and Ross from Friends. Okay. Not I did Cardi listen. B. Yeah, I like I listen to the album a lot. I like Invasion of Privacy, but yeah. I didn't listen to it that much. So my theory about this whole Spotify thing is that the algorithm stopped. Like in October, <laughs> the algorithm was like chill. Yeah, the album was like, no, we'll we'll do it now because okay. like there's a lot of stuff from the last uh, month that isn't in my top songs playlist. Mm. So I was like, why isn't that there? Yeah. Um. So it's like it stopped. What about you? Your top artists? My top artists are Father John Misty, Mitski, Carsey Headrest, Elliot Smith, and Boards of Canada. Okay, I would have expected the first four. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I oh, know. Yeah, big big Boards of Canada fan. Yeah. Cool. Um, um, yeah, all of mine are new. I think the Niels Fram one was like, I listen. Also, you know, Niels Fram has an advantage because like his album came out in January. So I've yeah. been listening to it longer. Yes. Than a lot of the other ones. You have more uh, time. Yes. Um, my songs, actually, they've changed a bit since. Um, but I'll go, I'll go with the, uh, the actual playlist. Uh, the top song that I was listening to, according to Spotify this year, is uh, Schoolboy Q, Two Chains, and Kendrick Lamar. X from the Black Panther soundtrack. And uh, the song, if you don't know it, sounds like this. Are you on ting yet? Hold up, hold up. Do you have ping yet? Jury on Windex. Woo! 80 my Rolex. Mike may back to Ben. Pseudo coming now. Black on black again. I might go to trim. I've been built to win. I don't exit here. Too much flexing here. Too much bread to get. I've been stretching up. Ain't no catching up. I don't rest enough. Uh. I don't plan for luck. I keep working hard. Who keep blessing us? Uh. I'm on a 10 and I need a 10. Nigga, the made of my M a week. Nigga, December been good to me. Not even Kendrick can humble me. Nigga, two weeks ago, do the least. Trying to become a way bigger meat. Nigga, my teeth is like 10 apiece. TDE family to Jennifer. That is X by Schoolboy Q, 2 Chains, uh, Saudi, and Kendrick Lamar in there as well. Uh, from the Black uh, Panther soundtrack, which came out in February, I believe. So, Was again, it early? Wow. I think so. Again, putting paid to the uh, idea, the theory that. Um, it, uh, it's heavily weighted towards the early part of the year, this mm. uh, list, because um, it's certainly missing a couple of songs. But I'll give you the rest of my 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 top 10, according to Spotify. Um, David Byrne, Gasoline and Dirty Sheets, one of the album tracks from his album American Utopia. Um, Cardi B and Migos, Drip. Um, I've been finding myself listening to a rap favorites playlist a lot ah. um, um, that I made with a lot of songs from this year. It's almost like a palate cleanser and... Um, I kind of been enjoying listening to it because it's just different to like, I love the music, but I'm also like, I don't want to think about anything. Yeah. So it's like, instead of putting on a podcast, I'm just like, put on something that's fun. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah that and, makes sense. And Drip yeah. is one of those tunes for me. Um, I have the Fortet remix of Biceps o Opal, um, which is an absolute amazing song. Um, I'm one that played out a lot DJing this year. Um, oh, so Ross and Friends, this might explain it. One of the most played songs of the year was John Cage, the uh, kind of weird um, 
it's kind of a weird song from his EP that came out earlier this year because it didn't rate the album hugely. Mm. And it was, this is very different. Um, I want to kind of play a bit of it here and just maybe give you a flavor of it. Yeah, it's kind of got this like weird, like new agey electronic vibe to it. Okay. Just a song I played a lot this year. Yeah, that's one of them. Um, <clears throat> then I have uh, Marcus Marr. High Times, which is a song I played out a lot DJing. Bit of a daft punk, kind of nice, like funky, um, housey kind of track on DFA. Um, Push a T, if you know, you know, is up there. Um, uh, Marie Davidson, Work It. Um, what number is this one? Uh, we are on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight. Um, Pick Up by DJ Cozy, um, which was a big tune this year. And then we have... Um, Let's eat grandma with falling into me. Oh, that's a great so, tune. There we go. That's my top 10. I can so, confirm that we do not share any tunes in our top 10s. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Well, there you go. Yeah. Different strokes. Um, so give us your top 10 there. Give us your first one anyway. Okay. My first one is a song that came out in January. So, you know. Here we go again. I think confirming um, the algorithm, but it is... Um, one of my favorite songs this year um, and it's battling a few others for the top spot and it is Flowers by Maya Sophia. Cool. That's Maya Sophia and Flowers. That was a song that came out in January. So, so your most listened to track this year. Uh, yeah. Um, wonderful song. Couldn't get enough of it all year and uh, was listening to it literally yesterday. So, you know. It's... And you have an Irish artist on your, in your top. I do. As my number one. Yeah. Uh, my second is Don't Delete the Kisses by Wolf Alice. Okay. Um, that, was a, that was last year, wasn't it? It was, it was really last good. year. Yeah. A lot of mine did not come out this year. Um, my third was Self Control by Frank Ocean. Good song, yes. Um, great song that I, I adore. And there was about a month or so where I was trying to learn how to play it on guitar. So I reckon that would have racked it up a good bit as well. Um, then I have Your Best American Girl by Mitski because I only discovered Mitski this year. And that song is an absolute gem. I like... When when I first discovered it, I think I'd listened to it on repeat for like three days. It was ridiculous. Um, number five is uh, Swimming Pools Drank by Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> Which I, I, don't, I can't explain it. I just listen to it a lot. I don't know. Do you have it on a playlist? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I remember there was a time during the summer when I just 
listen to Swimming Pools Drank a lot. That's fine. That's fine. That's good. It's a good song. As fine. is my right. Uh, number six is Backseat by Charlie XCX, um, which is on the record that she released this year. Really big fan of it. it uh, she did it with Carly Rae Jepsen. Uh, very good song. Number seven is Father John Misty, I Love You Honey Bear, uh, which was my top played song of last year. And yeah, that's, you know, one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, oh God, I'm missing my number eight. Sorry, I've pasted these in somewhere. One, two, three. That's okay. Four, I will say um, I had um, one of the best um, DJ experiences of my entire a life maybe on Sunday night with Keenan Crevon at the Voices yeah. and uh, our last song well the last song I played because it was the kind of night that you could just almost play anything you yeah. want I finished with Frank Ocean Nikes uh, oh, and God. I was like I've always wanted to play that out yeah. but I've never had the opportunity I was no, like that's good. last song of the night just fucking do it go yeah. on it was great it was like one of the best it was in McCarthy's Bar in Dingle and uh, Sunday night because it was Sunday night and it was everyone was around for the festival but there was no uh, church on on Sunday night what it meant was everyone was there from like half nine and the place is tiny. It's about the size of the room we're in now. Maybe not, it's a bit bigger than this. Um, but it's was just brilliant. It yeah. was on myself and Keen playing for the first time back to back. And uh, it, there, <laughs> there's footage on Instagram if you want to have a look of uh, oh, a, I a, guy saw in, that. a guy in a certain Dublin band getting up during Abba Lay All You're Loving Me and playing his nipples like a bass. Um, <laughs> It's it's up on Instagram on my Instagram. If you want to have a look, but it was that kind of night. It was like just this. Yes, everyone was going for it. It was brilliant. Um, so now I bought you some time. Do you have your? Yeah, next I do. Song? I do have my next song. It is uh, "Yesterday" by No Name, um, oh, which yeah. is you know brilliant. Uh, number nine is "Green Sleeves" by John Coltrane Quartet. Um, I had a feeling that Coltrane would. I actually thought it would be my favorite things would appear but it was green sleeves but it's my favorite of and anything that he's ever done that was on one of your uh, playlists it was yeah it was on the the coltrane primer that i did yes. yeah and uh, that was in the early days of the podcast when we just started like i think five months ago yeah i know um, oh god <laughs> getting all nostalgic now and number 10 is pink in the night um by mitski from be the cowboy which came out this year so two mitski tracks on my top, top 10, 10. yeah very good. Yeah, good year. So yeah, well, I, the reason I said it was weighted for because um, I still use Last FM, and I can still see according to Last FM. Although it, I haven't used Last FM on one of my two computers that I have mm. until last week, because um, I realised my mistake. Yeah. So like, sicko mode is in there as well. All of a sudden, in the okay. last month, and a couple other songs that I'm like, mm, that didn't feature in that one at all. Talos song Kansas was nowhere near um, my Spotify top 100, I don't think, mm. which is strange. Um, I'm shocked that the, I didn't have any Kanye. I thought yeah, Ye would have been in there somewhere. Roshan Murphy, The Rumbles, one of my latter um, great tunes of the year um, that only came out in October or November. Mm. Um, that's high up on my last FM. There you um, go. But there you go. That's uh, a different list. <laughs> but yeah, the, the ultimate list is coming yeah. um, next week, which is my top 100 songs, which is the one I love doing more than anything else. Because um, it's easier than albums. There's less pressure. And it's more fun because it's yeah. just like individual tracks. This is what I love more than anything else this year. Um, so I guess we'll move on and and we'll talk about more best of the year. Well, before we do, actually, I guess it kind of ties in a little bit with a lot of people's. Um, there's a lot of acclaim for uh, the 1975's new album, A Brief Inquiry into Online Relationships. There sure it is. came out last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I uh, I wanted to kind of talk around this, not necessarily the album, because... It was a really interesting, it was. It felt like a big release that came out last week. I was in London um, and there were billboards everywhere for the 1975 
and I'd never heard a 1975 album before I'll admit that okay um, but I listened to it and I was like first of all I had one listen I was struck to by its um, ambition and its sonic palette and its production and I was surprised by its um, entire uh, eclecticism I guess um, but I, I would say when I listen to an album once I generally don't don't listen to words as in mm-hmm. very closely I just get a, a feel for it. That's generally how I'd work. But I've I've since like read some of the lyrics and uh, understand that there's a lot of problematic lyrics on it that give me pause for thought about, okay, first of all, the big thing that I heard about this album and most people may have heard is that it was called, Enemy called it uh, the Millennial OK Computer. Boo. Right? So that's what a, a that's terrible a thing. thing to say about anything. We already have OK Computer. Yeah, like. but you know, it's just what Enemy, that's what they do. Um, and, you know, them trying to claim back relevance. I guess it's because it has a song narrated by a robot voice. It also has a skittery uh, dance track on it um, and it's songs mainly about technology and our relationship with it and other people through yeah. it. So I guess that's where it comes from. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of problems with the album and, and I think what it started me thinking, something that I we talked, we said we talk about at some point because there's been a lot of it this year is the idea of problematic favorites. Yeah, we've been putting this off. Yeah. Um but I feel like we need to address it now because it's I been very do. dominant this year, yeah. you know. There's been a lot of artists that we've either talked about like Kanye or uh, talked about like Drake, for <laughs> example. Talked about like Cardi B. Yeah, or um, Azealia Banks. Azealia Banks is another one. There's a lot like. Um there's a lot of things, there's a lot of artists who release music who either themselves were problematic in some way um, or ones that we didn't feature like Triple X, Tentacion or however you pronounce it, um, who were just huge. Yeah. And currently there's an artist called Six Nine who was recently uh, in court for uh, uh, child sex uh, charges, who is currently one of the biggest artists in the world Mm -hmm. on Spotify, if you judge it by that. So I guess what I'm trying to figure out is at what point do we separate the art from the artist? And is it okay? I mean, I think I have the queasiness around this 1975 thing. Cause I'm like, as somebody who writes about music and who wants to be engaged in pop culture all the time, I don't, I am primarily um, employed by myself to like write about every big artist that comes yeah. out. But I am interested in what happens in the zeitgeist and how things, um, and the 1975 are a huge band now. They're getting acclaim absolutely everywhere. But what I haven't seen is anything really about, uh, apart from a couple of, of small things uh, or uh, a couple of people talking about it online, is much about his problematic lyrics, um, mm-hmm. which there are many um, on this album. There's a song about a groupie uh, or like his um, disdain for groupies, mm. which is uh, set as this like ballad uh, called Be My Mistake. It's absolutely um, abhorrent. I can't stand that. Song. Yeah. And then the opening song, which is the song that they've always repeated on their with the same lyrics, but they've done musically arranged differently, is a song about a blowjob, right? So you're like, okay, <laughs> what does this say for um, a band that's getting huge acclaim, but can kind of seem to get away with everything, anything they want? This mm. Maddie Healy is the singer. He's known for making these big pronouncements, right? And and he's playing the rock and roll, rock star thing, pop star thing now. 
Um, he actually apologized this week for his uh, uh, comments about misogyny and hip hop. And this got me thinking again about like, so he said his quote actually was, one of the problems is the youth of hip hop. At the moment with SoundCloud rap, it's become a bit of a drug taking competition. And that happened in rock and roll. Those things get weeded out the longer those things exist. The reason misogyny doesn't happen in rock and roll anymore is because it's a vocabulary that exists for so long is that it got weeded out. It still exists in hip hop because the genre is so young but it'll stop. That's why you have this moment with young black men, Kanye age black men as well, talking about their relationship with themselves, which is a big step forward for hip hop. Drake, for example, then they'd be like, but I still got bitches. The scene's relationship with women hasn't caught up uh, to its relationship with itself. And so he had to apologize for those comments to the fader uh, this week. Um, he, his apology basically said, uh, I would never deny the rampant misogyny that exists in rock and roll. It's everywhere, but it's been weirdly accepted. <laughs> you just did. <laughs> you just did. Like He said, okay, we start that apology by saying, okay, uh, this bit of me talking in the interview reads as patronizing, uninformed, and reductive, and to be fair, it is, and I'd like to apologize. What I said isn't correct, is, but it's not at all a misquote. It's not at all a misquote. Just for clarity, I said that misogyny wasn't allowed in rock and roll nowadays in the way it is in hip-hop. Um, now that it doesn't exist, that maybe that's a misquote as I'm aware of the misogyny in rock and roll. Uh, I was simplifying a complex issue without the right amount of education on the subject because I think I'm actually trying to support women. Hmm. Not a brag, but with the record label, etc. I don't know what he means by that. I kind of forgot that I'm not very educated on feminism and misogyny, and I can't just figure stuff out in public and end up trivializing the complexities of such enormous experienced issues. Um, well, my problem with that is there's misogyny in his own lyrics and uh, he doesn't seem aware of that. Or maybe he does or he's just choosing to ignore it. I mean, so there is a lot like around the conversation that we're trying to unpack here around the 1975. I think it it requires us to to address the album first and foremost. And I think you, you and I land pretty much in the same place with this album I think, which is that sonically it's quite interesting. It's quite daring. Um, and there are moments on it. And in, in my opinion, there are moments on this album that are brilliant. There are moments that are s- some of the worst, um, just some of the worst lyrics I've ever heard. Um, and then the rest of it is kind of punching way above its weight in terms of the the topics it's trying to address into like in terms of that that song that you mentioned be my mistake it's 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 one of the most misogynistic things i've ever heard i found it really um uh the the style of it it just it just reeked of um a guy trying to be super deep and actually just outing himself as being a complete wanker um and like I don't know. There's there was also going into this because we we didn't we didn't listen to this record prior to its release. We were we we came to it this week after it came out, after all the headlines were out and blah blah. blah. And you go into an album, a big release like this, with a preconceived idea, with uh, like off the back of the enemy quote of, about it being okay, computer, off the back of any outrage, and off the back of all the eight out of ten, nine out of ten things that. Uh, ratings that it's getting so then you then have to decide okay listening to this like every single moment that you're listening to it do it do I agree or do I not so there's a problem with this kind of headline culture as well especially around new releases it's nothing new and it's nothing that's uh that's only happening with the 1975 but it's it it does exist 
but I think as well that like I I um, there's something sinister in it that I don't I don't really trust. I I don't trust his ability to speak on online culture and ha- our kind of social isolation due to the internet um because it just it it doesn't acro- it doesn't really come across to me as being anything that could hold a candle to okay computer like oh okay computer speaks about the human condition Matty Healy is writing about Facebook like yeah. there there is a massive massive difference there and or in the case of uh that song uh, uh Love it that we made it was it called um, love that we made it. Yeah, he's literally picking out headlines that he he read. Yeah, this and, year I, and I, making them into lyrics. I think that that's that's actually a really interesting exercise. It's and, not a bad thing. Yeah, um, the, but that that's fine. I I think that's that's one of the more interesting moments on the album. But when you take something that. like um, like the 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 loneliest man one the the Siri song, um, which is probably what what drove and the enemy to compare it to okay computer it's so on the nose that it's um it just comes across as being quite lazy and i don't think like as well i'm i'm suspicious of somebody who has been famous for most of his 20s and like adored for most of his 20s talking about socialize social isolation and online culture and being like it's as if he's being a spokesperson for somebody who he hasn't been in about eight years. Um, he he hasn't been the guy who is on internet forums trolling people. He hasn't been um, like, I don't know, pouring his heart out on the internet because he's lonely. He's been a rock star for the past 10 years or eight years or however long it's been. So I'm suspicious of that as well and that he's trying to speak for his... Um, do you think he's trying to speak to his fan base? Primarily? I think he's trying to speak for, for his fan base. For his, his fan who base. are mostly young people. Yeah, right, who they are. adore him yeah. and the band and who get tattoos of. Absolutely. The I mean, he's, he's, he's a pop kind of star. So it's. So it's it's interesting, and then I think with with, with that horrible song, he, he he was trying to do like a Chelsea Hotel kind of oh I'm I'm problematic, but you know it's this is the life of me being on the road and blah blah blah, and it's like no, that's that's not what you've done there. What you've done there is paint women as being disposable objects and paint yourself as being too deep to care about them. And I, I feel like I, there's a lot of negging in in what he does yeah, in his lyrics yeah. to women, and it's interesting to read that quote about misogyny in rock and roll and like just the lack of self-awareness around what he's doing himself like how tone deaf can you be (laughs) and like all of this isn't to say that there isn't good on this album like there's i i found um learn to draw i found that really really interesting and i actually thought that the um the man who married a robot the the track that plays underneath Siri is really really beautiful and I think a lot a lot of the heavy lifting is being done by um by the band and by everything that isn't Matty Healy um and yeah I don't know it's just it's one of those things where I'm like I I this should have been an EP and it should have had four tracks on it. Well, there is supposed to be another album to come from there is, the yeah. 75 and uh, but it certainly hasn't helped their career. And you know, I think I think it's just the fact that I hadn't seen an awful lot of negativity about negative reaction to his um lyrics. Yeah. Um, and it made me wonder even like the Pitchfork went through their album like they didn't really talk about the lyrics an awful lot and or the problematic No, ones. they didn't. No. Um 
And just like opening, so here's an example, right? So opening a song, um, as they have done with a song about a blowjob, opening an album with a song about a blowjob, uh, a parallel to another artist that I was really looking forward to hearing this year, um, uh, Anderson Pack, Oxnard, who came out a week before this mm. album. And his, the second song on his album is a song about getting a blowjob, which features a skit about him in a car, mm-hmm. getting a blowjob and getting uh, rear-ended by a, a car behind him while, while this is happening. And I was really like, ah, fuck's sake. I really yeah. wanted Anderson Pack to be, um, I had a lot of high hopes for him. I, I think he's a really good artist. He's a, like a very talented guy. He's this polymath, like drummer, rapper, musician, can kind of do anything. Mm. And then to hear him like do a blowjob skit, I was like so disappointed in that. I was yeah. like, it's, it's so reductive like to do that. I was it like, is. It, it just kind of comes across as lazy. Like when, and this isn't to say that people, that artists can't write about sex because like, yeah, Yes Lord is one of my favorite records. Like, and when, when he writes about sex and it's good, it is good. It's like, it's, properly brilliant music but that that song was just so lazy and that I, I, I did I don't have a, a whole lot of time for it um but I think as well like when we're kind of talking about the kind of pro- problematic nature of these songs I guess it's important I I think it's important to differentiate between well firstly to to say that I'm more than happy to give Matty Healy a chance to learn from whatever backlash comes if it does come I'm well it doesn't feel like it is coming no no it doesn't um but if which I think is interesting in itself you know yeah yeah like I'm not trying to kind of be negative about the album but I'm just trying to kind of point out that like there there's such hypocrisy here in in trying to talk about how people are isolated nowadays and then you just you you take stories about your interactions with women that just completely isolate women. Like I felt listening to some of the the lyrics on that album that it wasn't written for me. It was written for Matty Healy when he was 19, like talking to himself in the past and saying, oh my God, you're a rock star now and you get to have sex with so many women. And it's not all great, but you know, it's the way of it. I'm in the Chelsea Hotel and I, I don't know what I'm meant to get out of that. I'd like yeah not um, even just because i'm a woman but just because i'm like a normal person like yeah but i think that's the thing right is like now like we talked about the algorithm on spotify and all that kind of stuff and how things there's so much music for us to listen to that it's easier to ignore something like this and just mm. let it like oh uh, well that's not for me but i guess the other thing in that is that um something that he was saying about misogyny and hip-hop um because that wasn't really what he responded to in terms of his apology. He's, he talked about misogyny in rock and roll. But there certainly is a, a lot of misogyny in hip-hop still. And mm. the use of the word bitch is something that I've been wondering a lot about recently. And whether a lot of people feel like that meaning has changed or it okay. still means its original meaning. But it does have the original meaning of the word bitch is about a weak woman or something like that, mm-hmm. right? So it is about that. Um and it's a bit like using the N-word. Is like, can you empower that word? Yeah. Do you change the meaning of it? Mm. Because that word isn't going anywhere. Um, this is a year in which, like, for contrast, Kanye and Little Pump released I Love It, mm-hmm. which is a, a filthy and explicit song. Um, and that was played as a joke. And everyone seemed to be cool with it, like, yeah. pretty much. And it was huge. Yeah. Um, 
we're also having a lot of discussions uh, or people are having a lot of discussions about fairy tale in New York this year as well. And it's like, this seems to be a year where we're talking a lot about how language is actually effective and it, it actually does impact people. And to, to your point about the word bitch in hip hop, it's, it's become for me just so like synonymous with listening to hip hop is that like, I, I grew up listening to, to a lot of Eminem and like the misogyny in that was just something that it wasn't, it didn't even get to a, to a a stage where I had to like accept it because I, I was so young. I didn't understand it. And it, it created a sort of an expectation for me, not, not just Eminem now, like I obviously listened to other hip hop growing up, but Eminem sticks out for, for whatever reason. Um, but it just seemed to be, to be just so ingrained in it that, um, if I like hip hop, I'm going to have to put up with its misogyny. Um, and that's, that's the same with rock and roll. Like, we were speaking off mic before before we started recording about about this kind of conversation and like I remember being young and being a massive massive Beatles fan and John was my Beatle and I didn't have the internet and then when I read about his life and all of the things that he did and that he was violent towards women throughout his life and he's violent towards his child it was like my world had fallen apart it's it's so devastating when something like that happens that you then go forward with like you you can't get rid of all the love that you have for that artist then do you know so it's like you either have to accept it and be aware of it and critical of it when you're listening to their work or you have to push it to one side and say like um, I'm not listening to this person anymore and that is like there is no right or wrong there I don't think I don't think so because I think we all do that in our own way and we all process those um, and it depends on how much we love that artist sometimes yeah. it's like it's like Michael Jackson's career like there was a point where it seemed like Michael Jackson would never come back from the allegations he had yeah but when he died it didn't seem to be a huge part of the conversation mm. like it was left unfinished and it's like are you comfortable listening to a Michael Jackson song now like currently I am mm-hmm. so what does that say about separating the art from the artist yeah. and this is the thing where I get back to so I mentioned Pusha T was one of my top 10 tracks this year according to Spotify um like Pusha T is an exact is an, a fine example of this art and artist right he has um made a career out of be- this um you know being this guy who, you know, the dope slinger, the coke dealer, the guy who has everything, who's the king, king push, mm-hmm. who uh, embodies that braggadocia on a huge level. And so when I listen to a Pusha T album, there's a part of me that is like kind of wearing this armor almost like because mm-hmm. you're kind of enjoying being in this like world that yeah. you don't embody and you don't live in and you can't relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, he is also the same guy who has an Instagram for his cute little dog, mm-hmm. um, and who I've seen in interviews be very thoughtful and kind and considerate. Yeah. So you're like, okay, which one is it? Yeah. Or is it both? So there, there is there then the, the idea of, um, people playing a role with their music as well, which, yeah. which I think 
which you, a lot of people don't seem to get the ch- opportunity to, to do in music. Yeah. If you compare it to t- TV or movies. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Father John Misty is a very, very good example of somebody who plays the ladies' man and plays the misogynist. But he's also a good example of somebody who was misogynistic um, in his music and has since apologized. Like he has a song from his first record that he doesn't play live anymore because he sees people. He's, he, he said he sees young men um, in the crowd. It's it's it, it's a song about a, a woman who is, you know, d- doesn't have any personality and blah, 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 blah. And it's bitingly brilliant, but also kind of horrible. Um, and he, he doesn't play it live anymore because he can't stand to see young men sing it back at him with like venom uh, just thinking about the women in their lives so he he's a good example of somebody who who plays the role but skirts it and understands that that is a role do you know and I think that that's something with um like with, with Matty Healy he just kind of comes across as like there he he did an interview with somebody not it wasn't the fader interview whoever it was anyway it might, it might have been like billboard where he said that um he was so tired of there not being enough sincerity in rock or in modern music or something and that now he's just trying to be sincere and i'm like may if if this is sincerity like the only way he's getting away with what he is saying on the latest record in terms of misogyny is if he says I'm playing a character and you you can't at the same time turn around to Billboard and say I want sincerity and then if there is a backlash turn around and say I'm playing a character like it's yeah well on that point with his lyrics I, I looked at the um, genius page of, for the album and mm. it seems he has written yeah he's um, he's annotated them yeah, all he's yeah. annotated them so but he seems quite unsure what he's saying half the time. He's like, I don't know, maybe this is what I meant. It's like, okay, so he doesn't even know what he's, no, what he's saying half no. the time. If you read the lyrics, he's like, he seems quite unsure about what he's saying. Mm. Um, I think that's like, it's an interesting thing to consider that, you know, somebody like a band uh, like the 1975 Pop and Rock um, might have a different standard to uh, an act like Pusha T, a rap act, yeah. who can embody that character and and sell themselves in a way that, is maybe not true to who they are now, um, but is established enough in the genre to be just accepted mm. and totally fine with. Um, you know, I remember like, what was it, like five or six years ago, there was like the elders of, of hip hop were trying to change the the use of the of the N-word mm. uh, in hip hop and got nowhere with it. Yeah. Um, and you can't because, you know, the culture is always going to react to like especially elders and be like, yeah. well, I'm not doing what you want me to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's well, I think to there's be... the, there's something else really interesting there as well. And I'd like your take on it because so there's there's the likes of like there's there's hip hop artists. Um and I, I know hip hop has now kind of crossed over into pop, but that's kind of a it's a recent thing. But there there is usually conversations around our pop stars as having some kind of a um as as being role models for their fans and i think i was finding myself while listening to the 1975 and it happens as well sometimes with with, with other kind of big pop stars if they say something that's racist or misogynistic I'm like oh no we'll think of their fans and they should be setting an example and i have to kind of catch myself there because i'm like what like at what at what point is somebody a cog in the machine of you know universal music or however it might be and at what point are they an artist and where where does your 
kind of freedom to play with misogynistic ideas or racist or problematic ideas where does that lie between those two things like who who owes their fans anything yeah and i i don't know well i just keep coming back to the idea that in you could make a violent movie and no one will accuse the author or director of that movie as being violent yeah but in music but you can't in a pixar movie no because that's aimed at children yeah but so is pop music but not exclusively. So it's, no. it, it is obviously really, it's, there's a lot more nuance to that, but. Yeah. Um, like have there, have there been big problematic pop songs this year in terms of like big mainstream pop songs that are problematic? I mean. Like the, I love it is an obvious one. Yeah. Um, there is no. Well, but you, you you nearly just take Kanye and put him to one side, though, don't you? Which which is yeah, you, know, you kind of have a problem to in, in itself. But as in, so sort of prop being problematic. So take for example, it didn't come out this year, but if you take Blurred Lines, for example, um, one of the biggest pop songs of was that was twenty sixteen it came out. Um, maybe a couple of years before, maybe I'm not sure. Yeah, I I still hear it in clubs. It still plays in the office sometimes. It's it, it's always around me. It's just one of those things that's in culture now, and that's that's a song that. And I I don't get offended really by music. Like it doesn't. It I know what everything I'm saying about the 1975 sounds like. I was completely outraged. I'm I'm not personally offended by blurred lines, for example. But I think that I think I am offended by the the sort of the lackadaisy attitude that people in in the music industry tend to have about music being culture and like being able to point at something and saying this is what is popular and if you're pointing at that thing and, and it's misogynistic or it's racist or it's whatever or it's transphobic whatever it might be then then you're you, that that's saying something about the culture from which it hails. And that's the thing that I I find offensive and problematic. Not that thing exists, but that thing exists because we're all letting it exist, you know? Yeah. Rant, um, rant, 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 rant. <laughs> no, it's interesting. Cause like, I'm just trying to figure that out really. And I think um, that's the interesting part of, of trying asking those questions is like, where does it begin? Where does the authenticity, authenticity begin? Mm. And where does the, the culture, uh, cultural impact uh, become negative mm. if somebody is saying something problematic or if they're saying something that's not a, like if they're not a good role model, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like the, I guess the parallel to all this is like YouTube stars and like the outrageous things that they say online and how they are now headlines in our world. Yeah. Um, and the things that, um, they say and how they have to apologize for them now because people are paying attention and the mainstream yeah. media is paying attention. Yeah. Um, and now like rap, for example, is such a big, like popular music genre that it has become more problematic. Yeah. You have the likes of triple X and six, nine who are huge. Yeah. Based on, you know, their popularity who have done dangerous things. Mm. And, and there is also, I think a difference um, like there's a difference between an artist who whose work is problematic and an artist who has 
you know, committed crimes. I think there is a difference there. Oh, yeah. And because yeah. I know we've been kind of talking about them interchangeably, but like. But in the conversation in terms of this year, it feels like a lot of it yeah. has been very similar. Yeah. Um, it's like the R. Kelly thing, right? Mm. It's like a, a very problematic artist and one that has had a lot of accusations against him. But for some reason, there seem to be artists out there that no matter what they do, the accusations just fall off their back. Yeah. And Chris they Brown just still has a career. Yeah. Um, which is baffling, but no more baffling than, I guess, John Lennon still being a, a a hero to a lot of people, which he is to me, but it would never occur to me to listen to a Chris Brown song. So it's like this, this, uh, this outrage culture, I think that we live in now. And I, I know that that in itself is a problematic phrase because I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to say that people shouldn't call things out and that people don't deserve to be outraged when things affect them. But I think that there's nuance in it when, when you take artists that mean a lot to somebody and that, yeah, I, I think that in like now in 2018, we're all just trying to get to grips with a lot of things. We're all learning and these artists are learning with us and learning that things are okay and things aren't okay. And so, you know, cancelling somebody because of a misogynistic lyric, I don't necessarily think is the right way to go about things. Um, Absolutely cancel somebody who has, you know, sexually assaulted somebody or, you know, if their real life world is, if, if it means that working with that person is going to put other people in danger. Yeah. Well, that sure. and here's a good example, right? This year, the band Hookworms. Yeah. Accusation came out against the singer. The band pretty much immediately broke up. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, I had been enjoying their album Negative Space. For the band, it was, they, were, they were new to me, didn't know anything about them. I spent, what, three or four months over time listening to that. Um, and it's that kind of idea of, okay, separating the art from the artist. Here's somebody who's in a band who did something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you know, it's like, the Louis C.K. idea. Hmm. Here's a here's a man who did terrible things, but who also in that in while he did terrible things made great art. Mm-hmm. And it's that queasiness I have of like enjoying some part of the output of those artists or those mm. people, now knowing that they've done bad things. So, so the way, yeah, the hookworms is like I was like, okay, so I can't like I I'm not going to put that in my albums of the year. Because, it, but, but you are still going to listen to it. I haven't listened to it since those came out, mm. and I haven't. But I think that that choice is yours. Do you know? So, like the the way I I, I get around that in my own head is to you to use a, a <laughs> to to clang a very very big name into this conversation. Woody Allen um, is, I think, you weren't joking. One, yeah, is I think what one of the one of the artists in the world who is usually discussed when we talk about can we separate art from the artist. And he's an example I give. For me, he's a no, because there there isn't, I, I can't in my own head, this isn't to say that other people can't, but I can't in my own head separate the accusations against him and his artistic output, yeah. as in his films, which I adored. Annie Hall was one of my favorite films ever. Um, 
like his films deal with themes that are reflected in his in in the real life accusations that come against him. Yeah, sure. So if if I have an art if, if there's an artist who has done so like like Michael Jackson, I guess when when I listen to Smooth Criminal, I'm not thinking about or when I listen to Bad or whatever like you know some of my favorite songs of all time, it's not that he's singing about things yeah. that he's been accused of. I so think that's, that's what I'm kind of getting I... at with Hookworms because like, I don't listen to them for their lyrical content because to be honest, I don't even know what they're what they're singing about. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed the music, but the problem I have now is because if I listen to music, I'd feel like I'm supporting somebody who did bad things. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but Yeah, for me, that's different because Michael Jackson is dead. <laughs> so yeah. it's, you but know. Like, it, in the case of Hookworms, because there's like four or five people in the band or maybe six of them, maybe that, mm. you know, it was the work of those six combined people that I enjoyed. Yeah. And this one person in that band who was happened to be the singer yeah. did terrible things. Yeah. And that's why, and I know nothing about it. Um, but it's just, it's, it's kind of a consideration I've been having is like, what does it mean to consider somebody's work after you know something about them? Yeah. Like that. It's like when um, Horace and Pete, the Louis C.K. show first came out, I thought it was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. One of the best things I've ever seen in terms of TV. And, you know, we you kind of like everyone has cancelled Louis C.K. Mm. and rightly so. But he hasn't cancelled himself because no. um, he's trying to make comebacks. But you're like, there's a queasiness. There's like a, you know, I still have the the feeling about that art that I still that I had back then mm. that it was good. Yeah. So Louis, Louis C.K. for so me, what is, do you do with that? Yeah, he he he'd be a Woody Allen example for me just because of how much he joked about. True. Things true. that he's doing, do you know, like that's not to say that his his jokes about, you know, other more mundane kind of aspects of life weren't brilliant. Like, I, d- I don't think anyone's denying that he's he's an excellent comedian. And I think what you have to do with this is put yourself in that person's shoes and go, if you had known that you did all these bad things and you wrote art about them mm. and you didn't acknowledge. Yeah, that's where I draw were, the line. Yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, mm. I could never do that. Mm. I could never put myself in that situation and pretend and make money and mm. make be acclaimed out of, of this art that directly draws from that experience. Yeah. Or, you know, it's like the 1975 thing, right? If you're like, if I was in his shoes and I was writing songs about getting the blowjob and uh, taking advantage of groupies, I'd be like ashamed of myself because like I just wouldn't allow myself to do that. And you're like, okay, well that person has a different moral compass or than I do. Yeah. And And, and like, that's also not to say that like Matty Healy has like, it's not, it's not against the law to treat girls shit after you sleep with them like that like to to sleep with somebody and then roll over in bed and ignore them and then not text them back that's not illegal no and like, but he made a, a like a really catchy pop song out of yeah uh, out of cheating on somebody two yeah. time yeah which know. which again isn't illegal but it's like wh- like it's kind of like what what value is this adding in in a time when we we have so much else to talk about and especially on an album I know, I know we're like looping back around to 1975, like a 180, but especially on an album that attempts to talk about really, really interesting things about our isolation and our loneliness. And then to just kind of, to put, to put like needlessly misogynistic 
work uh, uh, songs in into this work detracts so much from anything that he was trying to do it dates it as well it's it's like <laughs> like both, both the music and the lyrics seem like they're coming from the 1980s like it, it just, there just seems to be absolutely no peripheral vision with him is that the problem then in terms of um revering somebody like this who doesn't seem to have quite worked out um here's a here's a broad question um when somebody does a movie script um they generally do drafts and drafts and drafts and drafts and and work on something so they have a cohesive whole Mm. is the problem with what we have with music is that people often write songs from different perspectives and different subjects and come at things from different angles so that you don't get the full complete uh, person who's writing a song Mm. you get different facets of who they are you don't get dialogue yeah you get you get an impression and ideas from one person Mm. in this case um and that means then that they don't quite add up. None of them quite mm. add up. Yeah. And then we we kind of like are we human beings like to know, like to wrap things up quite. And that's why we have albums as well. Yeah. You know, we like to have cohesive bodies of work, but a lot of music doesn't seem to be very cohesive anyway. It, yeah. By its nature, because songs delve into different topics, they do different yeah. things. Um, they have different sounds. They have different points of view. Even the same artist can have two different points of view or in the case of somebody like Kanye is figuring things out mm. on the fly. Yeah. Um so well I think like with this with this album it is it is a concept album and it fails as one because he he, he has taken the concept that he wanted to run with which is, you know, the internet and our relationship with it and like inserted in um, or like, you know, loneliness um, and sort of talked in it about his own loneliness at the expense of others um, instead of sticking with the theme, as it were, and talking about like addressing the human condition. Instead, he's like, oh, I'm so lonely because I don't have any feelings for any of the groupies that I'm sleeping with. Woe is me. Yeah. Instead of actually delving a bit deeper and looking at why that is. So do songwriters need a director to take their worst <laughs> ideas off I them? Mean, or a producer to, to really say, oh, well, they look. Need, they need a producer to edit. Yeah. I think, I think that are, this are, album could are, have done with editing. Do musicians are, or do songwriters not get edited enough in that the form of they... I was like, well, if you think about what you're saying here, you're actually contradicting yourself, mm. you know, or does it matter? Do people care? You know, well, yeah, I think when it comes to something like when you compare, okay, the okay computer thing, you're like, okay, well read the lyrics on okay computer. Here's somebody who's talking about a very cohesive thing mm. and making really amazing art out of it. Um, but also is impressionist and abstract enough that you can draw certain other things from it where yeah. somebody like him, Matt Healy, is not impressionistic. He's not, no. He's not nuanced. No, he, do, like, he doesn't have the chops for it. No. He, 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 he fails. He really does. Um, and like, it's, it's frustrating because I, I, I would never want to say that artists owe anybody anything. Like they're, they're artists by nature. They're, they're like, or historically they have offended and they have pushed boundaries and they've, asked us to question what is and isn't okay to talk about 
but that's not what's going on here. He's just talking about stuff that is at this stage boring. Uh, it's been done and we've all agreed that we, we don't find it interesting. And that's the problem. That's what I want to, I, I want to censor boring music. <laughs> I don't, don't want to censor offensive music. I just want to censor it because it's already been done. You know, I, you know and something else I keep thinking about in, the, in these terms is that like the older you get, I think the empathy you have increases about, mm. um, but also your understanding of the world increases. So when you're 16 year old and you listen to 1975, you're like, oh my God, you can't quite delve into that level of nuance about why somebody, why that might be problematic. You know, sometimes. Yeah. Well, I think sixteen-year-olds now are kind of on it, though, aren't they? Like, no, they're. I'm not saying they're dumb. That would yeah. be a silly thing to say. What I'm saying is that it's easier when you're younger to enjoy something that is maybe problematic yeah. than it is when you're a bit older, and yeah. you're like, because I suppose you don't have the, actually, line, the language. That's not yeah. cool. Yeah. You yeah. know. Yeah. And it's like the the thrill of listening to rap when I was young. Yeah. The first time. It's oh like, yeah. You're like, I'm listening to something I'm not supposed to be listening uh-huh. to. Yeah. Um. And that hasn't really gone away because the language hasn't hugely changed in mm. rap. But I remember listening to NWA lyrics. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, how are they getting away with this? I, I, but that I was remember... like all about the shock as well. You know, there was a lot, that was part of their appeal. Mm. I, I, I remember that like I, I used to hang out with two guys on my road and I, like I, I remember what one of them got. Um, is it Marsha Matters LP that has Kim on it? Um. And one of them had it from like his older brother or his cousin or something. And he knew that I was kind of into hip hop as well. So me, him and the other guy went up to his room and he was like, listen to this song. And he played Kim. And I was like, it was like I was watching like The Exorcist at eight years old or something where you're just like, this is, I know that this is dangerous. I know that I would get into a lot of trouble for listening to this. But holy shit, I'm a teenager and this is the most exhilarating thing in my life right now. And you don't really realize at the time that it's exhilarating because it's wrong and mm. you've not really, you've, you've not really had to confront anything that is, that, that challenges you morally yet because you're a child. And I think that music is one of the first places that we do that. Um, and there's a, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on in young people's heads without having to figure out if they're good enough to be the groupie that Matty Healy's not going to text back tomorrow. Like, there's there's other things going on um it's just there's for for an album that lacks so much like there's so much to talk about around it which is so annoying yeah Um, but that's the thing you know that's why i wanted to talk about in the first place because like there are songs here that i enjoy yeah you know i'm like i I don't want to enjoy this Mm. you know it's that feeling Mm. that i'm getting at i'm fine with enjoying the ones that i enjoy but the other ones i just think should be shot into space but, you know, it's really hard to set, even separate songs on an album from mm. other songs. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can make playlists all you want, but you're still considering an artist. Mm. I might work. edit this down as the EP it was supposed to be and <laughs> just put four, four so- the, the four tracks that I like from the album into a playlist and then just pretend that that's it. Well, it's not going to be in my albums of the year anyway. No, um, me neither. Because I don't want it to be. And it's not, it wouldn't be a great album overall mm. for me. Um, and that's not really what this discussion was all about. But, you know, it's kind of like, I want my albums of the year to represent the music that I love. And you don't want stuff to be tainted in there in some way. Sure. Or like to feel like, oh, that's icky, you know, yeah. or to yeah. look back. You know, you can always look back and I have, what, 12, 13 years of, of best of the year mm. to look back on. And I'm sure there's stuff in there that I'd be like, oh, oh, I used to like that. Oh, weird. Yeah. Um. 
but I take it very seriously. And I think, yeah. you know what I mean? So, um, and I think with, with, the, that's why I listened to the album. I was like, Oh, everyone's talking about how great this is. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, this is not for me. And that's no. okay too. And that's what I'm like, that's, that's what I like about music as well. There is so fucking much music. Oh yeah. And like, I am not, I am so far away from asking people to like cancel Matty Healy. There are, <laughs> there are far worse people out there than Matty Healy. But I guess like, I, I just think it's important to kind of have these conversations and to be to be aware that I'm it, like I could sit next to somebody who absolutely adored this album and decided, you know what, I'm aware of the misogynistic lyrics, but I like it anyway. And I completely respect that because it it, it is it is so subjective that I would never want to just turn around to somebody and say, no, never listen to the, never listen to that because it's misogynistic and therefore you're misogynistic. But you know, I, I think I keep coming back to that idea of where I see the kind of double standard in enjoying Pusha T mm. and then like the double standard of, of in my own head of like saying, no, I don't want this in my life, but mm. I, I'm happy to listen to the Pusha T But that's your subjectivity at play. I know, and, but like, and, I think we but all, that's okay. we all have that. And yeah. like, we are all, I think we all, I think I'm, if anything, I've learned from this conversation is that we all make that decision on an individual basis yeah. about art and artists. Yeah. And we all have we, our own rules. It all depends. Um, there's probably an algorithm to do it. <laughs> oh, there's God. probably an algorithm to do it. To like there how much be. you like the artist, how, how, how much bad stuff they've done yeah. compared to how much bad thing they've said. Yeah. And then you put that in a formula and uh, whatever the value is, if it's over, whatever. If it's uh, over 70, you're yeah. not allowed to listen to them. Yeah. If, oh, it, if, it oh, is, if anyone if out it's there knows that. anything about maths, will you please make a formula or something? <laughs> so uh, I think we'll leave it there because we've talked for quite a while about ooh, it. Um, <laughs> I think it's time to ask you, as is customary, what have you been listening to, reading or uh, watching in the last while? Um, last two weeks since I last saw you. So I'll, I'll avoid saying what I've been listening to, I think, because we'll probably talk about a lot of that next week. Yeah, cool. Um, I've been reading, what have I been reading? Oh, actually, I'm in a book club in work. And um, a couple of them... A couple of people in the book club had never read 1984 and two of us had. So I'm rereading 1984 at the moment. And it's really, it's, it's like my third time rereading it. So I, I know the book quite well, but it's, um, it's, it's an interesting time to read it. I actually ha- bought that in an audiobook again recently. Like again, as in, like, I've obviously read it. Oh, but, who um, reads it? I don't know. I haven't started listening to it yet, oh. but um, it's, you know, it's one of those, is it, does it um, feel more uh, relevant than ever? You cannot listen to that through your Alexa because that's the, that, that's genuinely the scariest thing I've ever, like. I might like, save it for a long journey. Like when I'm, when I'm reading it, all I'm thinking about is Amazon Echoes and Alexas and all these things that we're putting into our houses. And then the idea of getting the Alexa to read it to you is too much for me. <laughs> I know, no, but um, yeah. So 1984, what have I been watching? I've not been watching much other than kind of just stuff on YouTube let's plays of games and stuff <laughs> i've been watching people playing um yeah just like kind of random old like arcade games on youtube that's, okay that's it really yep <laughs> fair enough um you're reverting to your childhood yeah um those of you that have seen me oh before, somebody is talking hello um i i've been i watched uh big little lies for the first time um the last week big little uh, lies which one's uh, that the big um prestige uh tv drama that was on hbo i think um with oh. nicole kidman and reese witherspoon and, oh yes, uh, yes. yeah yeah uh, very good actually i've never yeah. s- I, I i avoided it not on purpose just avoid it but 
got around to watching it quite really enjoyed it Good. so uh, I think there's going to be a, a surprise second season mm-hmm. um, happening with that um, other than that I've just been listening to a lot of the stuff that came out this year um, watching I think that's the main thing I've oh I doing. listened to a lot of OK Computer this week oh did you yeah. oh, well, did you listen something back to good it came, no I haven't actually uh, oh, do, something do, good do came yourself out of a really that. big favour when you're going home tonight and just I'm going to do that okay on computer. the way on the walk home do, do. Uh, we have had a very quiet special guest here uh, in, on the podcast oh. uh, for, for once uh, our, my dog Daffodil has been sitting on the couch for an entire last hour and a half she is snoozing right now she, she is full on snoozing um, so thanks Daffodil for that and not making loads of noise I appreciate thanks, it um, and I will say um, you know, we're heading towards Christmas uh, other things that we have I have coming up anyway are um, we have a future proof gig uh, that is myself and Home Beats um, monthly uh, new music night uh, which is happening on Thursday December 13th um, uh, we have four acts on the night uh, I have a tribe Mount Alaska Fia Moon and Sun Collective in the Bellow Bar on the Thursday December 13th but a really lovely night uh, last month with the band from Cork called The Bonk who mm. features uh, O Emperor's Phil Christie and a few others one of my favourite uh, band names by the way The Bonk yeah it's really, uh, really, really oh, good oh they were so brilliant they were such a brilliant band it was so it was such a pleasure to have them um and super city as well really good and animal archy uh we had oh also coming up is the luma christmas party which is always fun something magical about like doing stuff around christmas time which mm. i think is like christmas parties and and fun but like also playing music when it's like crisp out and fresh and people are inside and it's nice and warm yeah. um we're doing our luma christmas Some party hot whiskeys and, yeah, yeah we've got a sing-along social uh, upst- uh happening downstairs at tinsel disco mm-hmm. So uh, that'll be interesting. Amy from Laboom is doing a DJ set. Uh, we have Greta from um, who I heard for, as part of the uh, Glitter Tits course earlier this year, who I maybe mentioned a while back. And uh, the three Lumo DJs, of course. Um, I'm actually DJing twice this weekend uh, on, oh, on all vinyl systems, uh, the big romance, uh, the new bar on Parnell Street. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, thank you for that computer. Just a reminder. Um, a and also hanged eye on Saturday with Gab Elstead. Um, and not to be outdone and not finished yet. <laughs> um, we uh, there's going to be two nine or nine Christmas parties Way! before Christmas. Um, we announced ones already. Uh, on Saturday, December 22nd in Dublin in the Workman's Club, we will have Bad Bones, the band Tangier, uh, Happy Alone, and a special performance from the Black Jam, which is the Fried Plantain Collective's uh, fringe uh, choice winning show, which should be interesting. And also the night before on Friday, December 21st, I'm drawing a lot of information at you. <laughs> oh, there you go. Everyone's um, um, got their diaries in, out, they're in, scribbling. In Cypress Avenue in Cork. Um, there is another nine Christmas party happening with Loa, Bantam, uh, Happy Alone, and uh, Amy doing a DJ. Amy from Laboom doing a DJ as well. Um, so that's going to be happening on 21st of December in Cypress Avenue in Cork. And if you want more on those, you can have a look at the events page on 909.com. I'm uh, not up to much, sidebar. lads. You can probably see me buzzing about. Um, <laughs> you know, getting some coffees, catching up with some friends, maybe catch a show, you know, Christmas. Well, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, the inevitable. I'm. I'm. I am taking a holiday in in January, though. Please so do. <laughs> that's the plan. Um, but in the meantime, I think that's enough from us this week. That's quite enough. Uh, that'll that'll do you for our, our two week break. Uh, we will leave you with a song from one of the uh, acts playing Future Proof next week, uh, Mount Alaska. They are an electronic duo uh, from Dublin who had a really good EP out this year, and uh, I'm looking forward to have them play. Um, theirs is kind of an ambient electronic in the style of Chiasmos 
And the song I'm going to play uh, from them is called Asterix. And we leave it there. And this is what the song is. And thank you. And tell your friends Bye. and all that stuff. And thank you very much. Bye. Cool fact. 
A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.